You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast 204. Tim Robertson, David Cohen, and a special guest. Check it out. And it is tech fan number 204. I'm Tim Robertson, all hyped up on Diet Mountain Dew coffee and a bagel sandwich. You know, David, I have this perfect tiny little pan yeah. that you can make a uh, an egg over easy, if you will. Uh, perfect. Yeah. It's perfectly round. It's really small, about the size of your hand. Mm-hmm. But I find if I crush the egg and kind of mash it up and put it in there, it's perfect to make a bagel sandwich. Yeah, it's I like the perfect so. roundness. You crush it up. You don't put the shell in. Well, you know, <laughs> some, who knows? Some people might. So that's true. So David Cohen, you're here this week as well. I am. Yeah. And uh, hey, we have a special guest. Who's out there? Hey, this is Victor Cahiao. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, Victor. <laughs> uh, Victor, we go way back. Um, we've met quite a few times at the MacWorld Expo. I know there's some scandalous pictures of us somewhere but i've never seen them <laughs> absolutely absolutely that was fun <laughs> and uh i haven't i don't think i've talked to you in probably four or five years yeah it was i took a couple of years uh and kind of went offline pretty much was uh, lurking but that was all um a lot of stuff was going on with my day job so i took actually two years almost completely off yeah i mean you have one of my favorite podcasts for a long time but you kind of stopped doing that but my understanding is you're coming back into podcasting i am yeah typical mac user and typical shutterbug um ended and i am now doing a show with george starcher called articulate over at articulate.info and george and i are just getting together once a month and just talking about whatever is in our mind around tech Oh, that's cool. I like the idea of a tech show. I've heard, I think there's a couple of them that do that now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, just nothing like jumping onto a bandwagon that's fully full. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. Um, we've both done very focused shows in the past where this is the only subject we talk about. It's Mac, it's photography, it's whatever it happens to be. But right. when you just put tech in the show, it could really be almost about anything. You want to talk about cars? Well, there's technology involved. Refrigerators? There's technology. Computers? Technology. You're not limiting yourself by you know, mentioning one specific product or even a category as the name of your podcast. You leave it open-ended like that, and really, you could talk about almost anything. Yep, and that's the point. I, I think the days of that really niche, you know, long tail thing for things like the Mac or Apple, those days are gone. I mean, you don't have to look far to see some of the publications that have ended recently to even tell you that just from even uh, a writing perspective, Macworld's gone. Um, We have a a lot of these sites that are going away. People's interests are just much broader these days. And, um, you know, the Apple fanboys or fangirls are always going to have their niche. And there are still a couple out there that are taking care of that niche. But to have... 10 or 15 shows that do nothing but talk about Apple and Macs uh, and iPhones. I just don't see the point anymore. I'm, I'm, much, I'm a much broader person today 
than I used to be in that perspective. Well, you always were, though. I mean, yeah. give yourself credit. You were always a very broad person. And, you know, you've always had fun opinions to listen to, to be quite honest. So I'm looking forward to uh, the, when is it going to launch? Oh, it's already launched. We have about four shows in the can. It launched back in December. Oh, see, I and, didn't even uh, know it was uh, online yet. Yeah, you've got three, actually. Yeah, yeah, three. I guess we did a test show that we never put out. And, uh, yeah, it's just George and I having a very casual conversation, pretty non-scripted. You know, we have a couple of talking points, kind of like what you do here. And um, we just bring different perspectives into things. George is an InfoSec specialist. Uh, you know, that's he lives that world. And so he has just different interests than I do. He gets into gaming a lot more than I do. He gets into, um, you know, just different aspects of technology than I do. I'm much more interested in the cars, the Internet of Things, you know, um, computing in general, um, that kind of thing. So it's a good mix. It's a good mix. So, David, what's going on with you in this past week in technology? Because I know uh, you're in the middle of moving. I mean... Yeah, so so I've, I've not had an awful lot of time to, to, you know, kind of geek out too much, really. But as I was mentioning before I... Um, before we start recording, I did pick up a um, uh, a Mac Mini that I'm going to start carrying for my um, kind of for, for, as my work tablet. Um, I don't I, the problem. I, the problem I face is because you know I'm I'm traveling all over the place all the time. I don't want to carry too much of my own expensive stuff with me because if I do have my bag snatched or um, you know something drops off a off a train rail, uh, you know uh, a bag bag rack or something like that i'm going to break a lot of my own stuff and i don't really want to do that so i, I have kind, kind of got in the habit of having kind of uh backup and full but fallback stuff that i carry with me and so um i i kind of want to have an ipad with me all the time so i i managed to pick up a uh a cheap um uh ipad mini 2 mm. retina, the first retina display ipad mini uh, only a 16 gig one but it has 4g in it which is kind of nice because that means that uh i don't need to carry a um a separate wi-fi dongle now for 4g i can just um i can just tether off the ipad so so that's pretty pretty cool but um you know it's only 16 gig and my other ipad my ipad air is 128 gig so <laughs> i have to be pretty selective about what i put on it well, that's kind of good though well yeah it is but it's amazing how much kind of what i what i consider to be on oh, my my essential stuff that i must have with me uh i'm, I'm kind of going on there i think you Crikey, it's filling up very quickly. 16 gig is just not not enough nowadays. Not nowadays, I agree. Okay. The nice thing is, though, if it is, like you said, uh, it's always connected to the internet. Of course, that does mean you have another bill. Um, you can always delete something and download it again if you need it. Yeah, that there is that. Um, though, um, I... I I would imagine, even with a 4G connection, that if you try to download everything, anything over 100 megabytes from the App Store, it would stop you. Um, so that's that. That could be a slight, neg a slight uh, negative factor. But um, no, I'll see how it goes. I mean, as I say, I did very deliberately went out and bought a, a cheap used one rather than a new one. So uh, this was uh, substantially less than than I would ordinarily ordinarily spend. So uh, it, it is pretty much a, a fallback device it's not going to not meant to be um the main deal so we'll see how i get on with it but um i, I tell you what though surprising having had an air i once i picked it up again i remember how much i love the ipad mini full factor uh particularly with the retina display it, it really is great yeah 
Yeah, yeah, it really is. You know, it's it is so much handier in that you can hold it in one hand. It's not so much the weight because the weight of the air and the mini is not there's not much in it nowadays. Um, but it's it's just much more totable. Awesome. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm doing right now is um, broadcasting live on both uh, Periscope and Meerkat. And you know when I first tried Meerkat. I really kind of liked it, and I I do like the interface better than Periscope. But the first time I used it, I had like 30 people following me. And I've already seen a decline in the number of people using Meerkat. It's been out a month. And I think the reason for that is probably Periscope. Twitter comes out with their official app, if if you want to say, and it seems to be taking over this personal broadcasting thing. It was really an interesting move. Um, you know, I mean, the whole Meerkat phenomenon happened because of South by Southwest. It took off like a rocket there. Yeah. And um, um, Twitter came and basically chopped them at the knees and took the social graph off of Meerkat. So they could no yeah. longer, you know, and that was just huge. That was Twitter's play saying, F you, we're not going to let you play in this space. Uh, you know, go ahead and try to do it on your own. So I have to hand it to them because they've made improvements to the application. For example, before every time that you made a comment, it would tweet that comment. That was really annoying. That feature has now been changed so that you can turn that off and on. Meerkat actually has better latency and better video quality if you compare the two um, in Periscope. But I think that Twitter um, wasn't quite ready for prime time for Periscope, but they needed to get that product out there, and they did. They pushed it out, and uh, I've been spending uh, a lot of time on Periscope in the last week. It's interesting to see how the thing is shaping up uh, and what the real use cases are for it, to well, be honest with it's you. Always, I, it's better, in my opinion, for one simple fact. It's so much easier to find live content using the app itself on yes. your iPhone or iPad, although they don't have an iPad-compatible version yet. You have to use the iPhone version and blow it up, which... In today's day, why couldn't you have just made that a universal app? It's a checkbox. (laughs) It's a checkbox in Xcode to compile a universal app. I really don't understand that. I don't get it at all. Yeah, I think that goes to the fact that they were pushing the thing out and uh, trying to get it going. And at first, it was buggy as hell. It would freeze up. You know, Periscope would freeze up. Just every time almost that you went to a, a any kind of a large um, uh, or a feed that had more than 100 people or so, they, they have all, fixed those yeah. bugs. But after all, Twitter is such a tiny little company with no resources. I mean, it's no, <laughs> not surprising they couldn't, you know, put put anybody in to consider an iPad version at the same time. Um, what uh, what I find interesting about this whole thing is is uh, I think I, I agree with you, Tim, to an extent that Periscope has kind of come in and as the um, – I'm putting air quotes around it. The more official app doing this mm-hmm. has probably taken some of that. But I think as well, you know, the the tech media has something to say here. We we see this vicious cycle. I mean, crikey, we're very familiar with this as, as Apple users of something being held as amazing when it first comes out and very, very quickly afterwards, people writing negative stories saying, uh, this is what's wrong with it. This isn't this isn't um, what, as good as we first thought. Um, and, you know, TechCrunch hailed it as amazing and then within 10 12 days um were writing stories dismissing it saying it was roughshod um and it was it wasn't as good as periscope um 
you know, there was quite a few tech sites that basically hailed Meerkat as the next big thing and then very quickly turned on it. Uh, and I, and I, I think, unfortunately, that is... That is very often the uh, the media news cycle now, which is uh, you you want to keep talking about it because it, it gets hits, and once you've hailed it, the, the next thing you do is once you've lifted it up, the next thing you do is tear it down again, um, and uh, it sucks if you're on the end of that, I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that. Well, maybe not. As soon as Twitter kind of made their move, I was kind of expecting Meerkat to get purchased really quickly by someone like Google because I think it would be. It would behoove Google to get into the space as quickly as possible. I mean, if they want to make Google Plus, Google Hangouts at all relevant in a mobile world, they need to be on mobile devices with apps just like this. Why not snatch up Meerkat and make it a Google Plus thing? Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know why. Um, I, I, I may, maybe sometimes these things take take longer maybe everyone's waiting around just seeing whether this is a thing or not before they jump in um meerkat was was vc funded so it could be that as we speak those uh those uh vc guys who who funded who funded the application are actually touting it around silicon valley trying to find somebody to take it on i think you're absolutely right um i i suspect google if they were going to do this now would build their own thing on top of youtube and they wouldn't necessarily buy up somebody else but i could see yahoo or microsoft taking it on very easily Victor, that's an interesting point. What if Google came out with a Meerkat Periscope type of YouTube app where you can broadcast live from a mobile device directly to YouTube? And nobody can argue that YouTube doesn't have the users. That's where all the online viewers are. Yeah, I think that would be a killer uh, uh, for that. I think Periscope is going to go the way of Vine, uh, you know, that has its uh, users and its followers uh, or Snapchat, same type of thing. Uh, it's about the content, and I think you're only going to get about 1% of the total audience using Periscope doing any kind of really compelling content, a lot of it. And if you go out there right now and you browse it, you see it's a, just noise. You know, people uh, basically showing you what they're eating or they're, the first couple of days there was this whole, uh, you know, show me what's in your fridge meme. <laughs> that, that is way played out, you know, way played out. I like that. <laughs> no, it was fun for a while, but it's like now it's gotten old. But oh, but I, but the other yeah. thing is, you know, <laughs> you see really young kids on there, and that's the scary part. And but but that's no different than mine or Snapchat, where you're always going to have this potential for uh, exploitation, and you just have to kind of stay away from that. Uh, some of the neatest use cases I've seen uh, have been uh, news organizations, uh, especially local ones, doing kind of a behind the scenes uh, type of thing. Oh, that's uh, kind of neat. Yeah, it was really cool. TMZ did one yesterday for about an hour, and that was interesting. Uh, our local um, NBC affiliate that did one. And it's kind of see, neat to see those broadcasters that you listen to in the news kind of talking to you like real people and kind of showing you what's going on. So that's been a cool use case. Uh, I also saw a guy last night that was on for about two hours, uh, just frantic, talking, uh, just taking questions basically about anything. And this guy was rocking it. He was just answering everything, um, you know, about new media, about all this kind of stuff. And he did, he did a really good job. He, he had probably 150 people consistently on. And I think at the end of his broadcast, he put out a tweet, a tweet saying that he'd had about 2,800 total. That was interesting because this guy was like a almost like a Jason Calacanis hyper smoking, you know, drinking coffee type of guy. It was really interesting to see that for a while last night. Well, I got an email 
or I should say I got a tweet from someone saying they saw me on a Denver news broadcast as somebody in Denver was a news organization was doing a, a demo of um, Meerkat and I was broadcasting at the time and they said they saw my face on a Denver news program, which I was like, really? That's kind of weird. You see, I, I, whenever I hear something like that, I think that is when old media demonstrates they don't understand this stuff. Yeah. Because how many times have we seen, you know, CNN with the with the live tweet stream going up the back behind people and there's somebody discussing and swearing or saying really offensive things in that because they basically think, oh, we must have the Twitter. We must have the Twitter. And the same mm-hmm. thing, I, I would think, I would think the, the, the prospects, the possibility of doing a live demo of Meerkat, which by its very nature is a live medium, of having something that's going to truly offend your audience come out over an old media broadcast is immense. And for them to do that, I think is just crazy stupid. But again, they, they weren't broadcasting the Periscope or the Meerkat. I don't know, Tim, in your case, how that got seen. But I mean, right oh, now I bet, there's. I bet they were. I bet you they just turned it on and turned the camera on and started doing it. Um, maybe. You know? I don't know. I didn't see it. I can't tell you. Just I got no, a text I, saying I, that they did that and they saw it in Denver. Guys, you know, these guys often do not understand this stuff, and they they just think everything will be fine until it isn't. <laughs> That's true. I'll give you the killer Periscope uh, hint, though. If you're using Periscope and watching, and you don't want to see the annoying comments at all, you can swipe left. And then go all the way to the bottom, and hidden down there is a hide chat button. Oh, that's nice. That is a really good feature if you are actually watching something that is compelling, but you don't want to see all the BS comments coming across. Well, when I first started recording this episode, I launched both Meerkat and Periscope. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, there wasn't hardly anybody on Meerkat, but within a minute, there was thirty people watching me on Periscope. And I was just looking at the chat stuff, and it was, it's nothing that I would repeat here on TechFan, other than yeah. the one person saying, wow, you look old. Um, <laughs> which, well, yeah, <laughs> but 45, yeah, it, I am it's old. It's pretty crude, pretty crude stuff. <laughs> um, but I, I am, I'm launched, I've, I'm broadcasting on Periscope only right now. Um, it, look, the picture looks fine on my end, and on my iPad, I'm actually watching Victor. And he is on about a 10-second delay from what we're actually saying. So this is the first podcast in quite a long time that I can actually look over and see somebody that I'm talking to, which is kind of nice. I mean, I can kind of see things. Yeah, what I would like to see one of them do, Meerkat or Periscope, is put out an OS X application where now we can use something like Audio Hijack and actually hijack audio from a music source or in a podcast situation like this so that the audience that's watching you, Tim, or watching me right now could hear both sides of the conversation. Yeah. That would be, uh, you know, even you could do screen capture. That would even be better. Now you're talking about some use said, cases uh, yeah. that would be neat. But you know what? You know where I could see that 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 appearing, that functionality appearing in Skype? Yep. I was just going to say the exact same yeah. thing. If they because, did that in it, Skype, it would be... Because with Skype, yeah, we're all sat here on computers with mm-hmm. cameras. We could have video. We could have a three-way video call that we wanted to be able to broadcast broadcast that live as a stream that anybody on Skype could watch uh, and that job would be done. And let's be honest, Microsoft, their whole thing lately is it's kind of weird for for them to say this. Mobile first, cloud first. Which you think we can have two first, but those, those two things are kind of the same thing in a lot of respects. So using that philosophy 
from Microsoft, mobile first, cloud first. Bring Skype into this Meerkat Periscope arena. You're just adding a feature, and they've got that. And they could yeah. literally take over everything when it came to that because everybody has Skype. Everyone uses Skype. All of a sudden, if you could push that stream out to your Twitter feed, out to your Facebook feed, I think they'd be ahead of the game. What do you think, Victor? Oh, right on, David. I think your your point is well taken, and uh, you're right. This that would be much uh, much more a uh, killer thing that a lot of people would adapt to very very quickly. I agree. Hey, Mike. Hey, Microsoft. Twenty five million. You'll have Meerkat. <laughs> that's, that's right. If, even if it's Guarantee just a name. <laughs> so I just don't think it would be that hard for them to develop it. Like you said, they're three quarters of the way there now, and um, it would just be a, an interface to be able to take this call right here. Well, have the I'd three imagine, of us do yeah. it. I'd imagine the back end to actually make all of this work is probably where the where the secret source is. So yeah. um, that yeah. might be something that's of value to uh, to you know some experience of doing that to to uh, another company like Microsoft. Well, I, I look if you listen to any podcast that uses Skype, you hear people complaining about Skype all the time because it's still a very buggy. It's been buggy since eBay bought Skype way back in the day, right? It's yep. never been a great app, but it's been the best of its breed. But, of course, that's not saying much. I think it's time to kind of inject something new into a program like Skype. I think a purchase of Meerkat by Microsoft and roll it into Skype, that would be that would be brilliant. That, that's the kind be. of thing I think Microsoft really needs to start to do to start fulfilling this mobile-first, cloud-first thing, at least in my opinion. What do you think, David? I agree. What if you just said? I've only, I just had to step away from the microphone for a minute. Yeah, I caught you napping. See, that's why, Victor, we don't have a, a periscope yeah, of David going right that's now. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing I would really like to be able to do with uh, something like per periscope is I would like to be able to watch something and maybe broadcast something at the same time. That's kind of a Skype feature. Mm. I don't know. Lot, there's a, I think the possibility, and the reason we're talking about this a lot here on TechFan is there's just a huge <sighs> opening here for a new broadcast medium. And obviously, people out there are very interested in live content. And we haven't really had the technology to broadcast truly live live like this before. From a mobile device, you you could you could have done it with a computer. You can hook up cameras to your computer, and but not to this extent. Not you didn't have to have this infrastructure now that you used to. If if I wanted to go to a ball game, uh, my local you know college team, and I'm going to broadcast there, I would have to have a van, or at the very least, a very expensive modem hooked up to a very expensive data plan with a couple cameras and a microphone and all this kind of stuff running it through a laptop to broadcast live. Nowadays, I, I just bring my phone. Now, granted, that's not going to be the best when it comes to you know, video quality, especially if I'm just sitting in the bleachers. But just the fact that I'm doing it from my phone and someone in Timbuktu can watch it live, or 10-second delay. Yeah. They're not going to let you do that. Uh, we've already had situation here in the UK where all the, um, all the Premier League soccer match... Um, 
I think we talked about this on a show we when did. it happened. Yeah, where they banned tablets from the stadiums. Uh, and the principal reason they banned them, they kind of went on about health and safety and potential terrorism and all this sort of thing. But the real reason was they did not want people recording goals on their tablets that then, then ended up on YouTube. And um, you can guarantee if they don't want them recorded and being put on YouTube, they certainly don't want the match being streamed live when they pay. They've just done a, a new round of... Um, of uh, media funding for the Premier League, and it was billions of pounds to uh, to allow those those games to be transmitted on on um, uh, basically on on pay TV. Uh, and there's no way they want those rights to be uh, affected by the fact that people might be streaming it from the crowd. But Victor, how are they going to stop someone from ringing in their phone to a Cincinnati Bengals game? Yeah, I don't think they are, David. I have to disagree with you. I think it's going to be really hard. I can see in tablets it would have been easier to do, but when now you have this on your phone, you're using it through 4G. Uh, I just retired from AT&T, a major carrier, who was out there actually putting micro uh, hotspots in stadiums so that you'll have better coverage. You can bet the carriers are loving uh, Meerkat and Periscope because people's bandwidth bills this month are going to go up you know, exponentially when mm. this isn't being used over Wi-Fi. So you know, you said be- that, and I just looked at my phone to make sure I was on Wi-Fi here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what's going to happen. I see people that are broadcasting from outside. I saw somebody from Mount Rushmore yesterday. It was awesome to see. But, but you know, this bandwidth is going to go quick. How do they stop it? I don't think they're going to be able to when it comes to phones. No, well, I don't we'll, see it. We'll see. I, gu- I guarantee you they will think of something. And if it, if it means guys walking through the crowd and if they see you pointing your phone at the game, ejecting you from the game, that's what will happen. Because I mean, look, how, look how aggressively the NFL uh, and uh, Major League Baseball have, have defended the broadcast rights. I mean, you've only just got rid of the, uh, of the local blackouts, haven't you, for NFL games? Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and, true. And, and they've they've fought that for years, and that's purely because they want to protect the experience, and they want to make sure that their media partners don't get upset about but, about devaluing what they've paid a lot of money for. But and, here's the problem with all this, David, and it's an age old problem. It's when old industry meets new technology, and the yeah. old technology, and Victor, you've been around long enough, you've seen this too. Mm-hmm. that they want to protect their business model even in the face of new technologies that's yeah. making their business model inadequate. They happened in the music industry massively yeah. when Napster came out, and iTunes was finally the one that came and kind of legitimized downloading music and paying for it, and it's been a huge success. The movie industry has had the same problem with on-demand, with piracy. I don't think sports ever foreseen something like this happen to their credit, but they, they, you can't stop the progress of technology. You can't. You, you just can't. And unless they adjust their business models, they're not going to stop it. And let's be honest. As a sports fan myself, in my case, the Detroit Lions, right? I want to sit down on a Sunday and I want to watch a Detroit Lions football game. I don't want to watch it on my phone from some guy holding a shaky camera up in the you know 19th row in the end zone. I want to see it on my HD TV or coming soon to a home near you, a 4K TV in glorious color with commentators and all of that. There's just no way. But now if I happen to be at work and I can't watch it, maybe I can watch someone's shaky camera and I'm still getting, oh, at least I'm picking up the score and stuff. Or 
even more, I'm getting the flavor of the crowd, what it's like to be in the audience. And that's going to want to yeah. make me go to the game next time instead of just watching it. That's exactly right. And that's the mindset that these uh, old uh, you know, organizations, they have to take on the mindset that, guess what? You're really promoting your stadium. You're really promoting your team. Nobody, like you said, Tim, is going to sit there and watch something for two hours. But, hey, I might want to go to the Lions game because I saw something awesome for five minutes when I was watching Periscope, somebody broadcasting from there. So, yeah. There I, I, think, I think you guys both underestimate how much people don't like paying for stuff. Um, if it means the difference between not having a $60 a month ESPN subscription and having one, um, there will be a certain number of people who will be quite happy to put up with the low quality. Yes, plenty of people, plenty of people torrent films. Yes, but been, it's such an been, insignificant. Been, well, the the point is, is that the the difficulty is, is the technology only gets better and better. The bandwidth. The, I mean, you talked about how this is this. You know how how different this is, Tim, and how we're suddenly moving ahead with this. The reason for that is is there's a confluence of factors here. We've had a in in the space of five, six years, we've had a, a huge leap in the quality of a handheld camera. At the same time, we've had more network bandwidth available than ever before. And then the back-end infrastructures that allow people to watch, stream, and, and interact with these with these streams has, has come to the fore as well. So now, And then you've got the social media aspect, like uh, you know the user base of Twitter, to, to give you a, a, a ready pool of users who, who are ready to interact with this stuff. Um, so, that, so it becomes a perfect storm. That's how it blows up so quickly now that's that's going to continue the cameras are going to get better the networks are going to get better the technology is going to get better i mean take it out that taking it out of um out of the user's hands so how how long before we have small drones that can that can hover for two hours and that that can stream stuff so uh you know what's to stop somebody from going outside the stadium in the in the car park and um just sending up a drone and, and running the game for two hours or somebody in the stadium the drones you can get drones the size of your hand i guarantee you that within the next five years those drones will be able to fly for longer and they'll have much better cameras in and all of a sudden before long you can actually stream this stuff from the air uh, and it, and then it's even more impossible to stop people doing it um th that's what's going to happen and uh you know the, i think i think the me the media interests who have the business models will fight it tooth and nail because that's what they always do what do you think the eventual outcome victory is here do you think that the old business models will succeed and they'll shut these things down either using technological means or you know a, a guy sitting on top of the stadium with a shotgun to blast the drones <laughs> out of the air <laughs> or do you think that the technology is just going to advance at such a pace that they can't really do a whole lot about it effectively i agree with david that they'll fight a tooth and nail i disagree in that uh, you you cannot stop the masses from doing this kind of stuff. It's going to just be too ubiquitous uh, in the future. Um, the whole drone conversation that could be in a whole other podcast because that is a uh, boy. You talk about a slippery slope, and we're we're starting to see some of the impacts of just even flying drones, um, even in your own neighborhood now. Um, so boy, that's a that's a really talk about a full subject in technology. Yeah. Wow. I wow. was at a conference the other day, Victor, and I was sat next to a guy. We were doing, we were doing a talk on um, in the fact the the principal the principal discussion point was body worn video cameras that the police use. That's mm -hmm. something that my company works on, helping police uh, forces integrate into their system. So I was talking to a, an audience about fifty people about those, and there was a guy next to me from a, a fire service here in the UK, and they have um, they're one of the first 
um, fire services in the country to get um, the the Civil Aviation Authority permission to use drones as part of their um, activities. So he showed slides about them using them to coordinate large fires, you know, fighting large fires. Um, and he's already talking about being able to send drones ahead of the fire engines to actually scope out access and understand what the scale of the incident is before anybody even turns up on the scene. Uh, and once that starts becoming ubiquitous and they've already got drones that can last for 40 50 minutes uh, and can go from the center of birmingham to anywhere in like a five mile radius on their own um he said you know once that become once that technology becomes ubiquitous it will filter down to everybody else it become cheap enough that anybody can buy it uh and then um, <laughs> lawmakers are going to have a problem on their hands because they won't have legislated in in advance and um, they'll just try and ban it and people will just ignore the ban because how do you what do you do you shoot the things down <laughs> and who do you give a yeah. ticket to well, who's exactly. controlling this thing exactly. from two miles away there's you know in some respects the new technologies that we're seeing emerge is exciting and fun but at the same time and this is always going to be a focus of the show it brings up questions from both a safety standpoint a financial standpoint a user standpoint a corporate standpoint i mean if if you make these drones that could go miles and stay up for hours and they're being used to spy on people where's the legality of that uh, how do you shut that down what do you talk about to the public to get them to not do this how do you prevent someone from shooting one of these things down because this guy thinks it's spying on him so he blasts it with a shotgun and all of a sudden he's getting sued by an 18 year old who was just out flying his new toy i mean there's there's so many questions about new technologies it's never not been true but it seems to be a little bit more persuasive arguments on why these technologies are bad from one well, side and then from the other side why we have to have these new technologies how much life is improved by them victor there, i think here in the u.s we've, we're already seeing the afaa uh, taking steps to prevent the whole drone thing from getting out of hand um they just went after with a cease and desist letter uh after a gentleman who was just putting up really nice youtube videos high quality um basically saying you can't do this because you're profiting for, from it. And the way he was profiting supposedly was because of course, YouTube had ads on his uh, YouTube channel. Now he had not subscribed to being a monetary user of YouTube. So he came back and said, no, that's YouTube doing that. So at the FAA is basically saying, if you make one cent off of the use of a drone, you basically have to be licensed per their regulation. That's one way they're attacking it because, quite frankly, you're right, David, they haven't legislated fast enough to be able to keep up with what's happening with this technology. And drone technology, if you guys have been watching some of the videos and stuff, has gotten exceptionally good already. Oh, yeah, it's already. amazing. Yeah. Already, yeah. It's but, of course, you, yeah, you know why the um the air authorities are trying to trying to lock it down it's not anything to do with uh the reasons what they they give it's not anything to do with people um profiting or anything like that they basically because they've got the military industrial guys in their ear going this could be used for terrorism we've got to keep exactly. it out of people's hands yeah. which and, hey yeah. yes it could do but you know so can a car 
Exactly. And you've got drones now that can easily go up uh, to a, a mile high. And now you're talking about some safety concerns with yeah. you know regular yeah. air traffic. And that's a legitimate concern. And so th- they're going to uh, legislate, I believe, the manufacturers to make essentially the drones that you and I are going to use in the future be nothing more than uh, toys. Yeah, or, a you know, kite. A, a kite, a thousand feet. Yes, you can put a high quality camera, but it's going to be very limited in scope, in range. And they're going to limit the battery life on these things because like you said, David, we don't, they don't want people using these things two hours at a time to do God knows what. Well, let's yeah. take a break here and uh, listen to an ad for another show in the Stoplight Network, and we'll be right back. This is Private Eye Macintosh, and I'm here to tell you about a book written about me and my search for the Maltese Cube. Yes, it's a fine book. I think you should get it. Quiet, you. It combines technology, Mac trivia, action, murder, suspense. Oh, just tell them where to get it. I'll get to that. Romance. Film noir detective fiction. I can't stand it anymore. It's called The Maltese Cube, and it was written by my Mac writer and podcaster Guy Searle. Find it on Amazon. It's only $2.99 and coming soon to the Apple's iBook store. Don't forget, it's The Maltese Cube and so inexpensive. You know you're not in it, right? I mean, the next one, right? Sure thing, Louie. You know... This could be the start of a beautiful friendship. Get the Maltese Cube on Amazon and soon in the iBook store. Back here on the second segment of Tech Fan Podcast number 204. This is going to be a smaller segment than our first one because we actually have a third segment this week. And it's an interview that I did, a conversation, I should say, with Donnie Yankolo, who created the new artwork for the Tech Fan Podcast and, of course, our website. So I know you haven't even heard this yet, David, so you're not going to hear it until the show goes live later today. Excellent. So give me something to do while I'm uh, hoovering my new house. There you (laughs) go. Hoovering. (laughs) Is that what you call vacuuming? Hoovering? Yeah. Hoovering. Yeah. Oh, so we don't, we say vacuuming here. Yeah. Well, well, again, people tend to refer to it as the Hoover. Um, It's kind of become one of those genericized original, originally trademark works. So, uh, so yeah, so it has become hoovering. That's not a thing here, is it, Victor? Not here, no. No. Now, we do say Kleenex. Give me a Kleenex. We do say Kleenex, yeah. We say make a Xerox of this. Actually, we don't even say that anymore. We. Who uses Xerox machines? Who uses Xerox anymore? Right. I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we did. Uh, But if you see an image that's been altered, it's been what? Photoshopped. Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah. So we would love to have feedback from our listeners. Uh, Very easy to do. Simply go to techfanpodcast.com or you can email us. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. And David, we have our own Twitter account for the show now. We do. It's at techfanpodcast. And we actually have uh, some feedback from the Twitter account. Her name is uh, Shaquille Heath, or yeah, Heath. And she says, totally have watched Brigitte Jones and Love Actually. (laughs) (laughs) We were Uh, talking about that last week. uh, In reference to the guy from, um, we were talking about the accents, weren't we? And uh, Andrew Lincoln, who was in Love Actually, who's now the lead on The Walking Dead, who's a British actor. Yeah, which really blew me away. Hey, let me ask you guys, have you seen, and and I'm pretty sure you both have, Asus is coming out this little thing called the Chrome Bit. And I find this kind of interesting. Have you seen this, David? I have, yeah. What do you think, Victor? 
yeah, man, I dig it. It's a great idea. Um, you know, it's going to be under a hundred bucks, just under a hundred bucks. Uh, easy way to get a uh, computer plugged in right into your TV. And uh, I'll definitely look into one, even though it's um, limited in capabilities. It'll do most of the things that I do when I'm sitting on the couch. Want to tell us a little bit about it, David? Yeah, so so effectively, it it's kind of like like a large. Well, it, it looks a little bit like a Amazon Fire TV stick or a, a Chromecast stick, but instead of being just a media streamer, it's actually a full um, Chrome OS computer. So you need to power it. So you plug your plug it into your HDMI port and then get USB power to it in some way. Uh, and then for under a hundred dollars, you basically have a, a a Chrome PC running on your TV. Um, you use USB or Bluetooth or, or um, yeah, it's got Wi-Fi Bluetooth on it. So you use USB or Bluetooth to get a keyboard and mouse signal to it. And then off you go. You're browsing the internet with it and it has its own Wi-Fi. So it uh, effectively turns your TV into a um, into a big Chrome box. Now, the only problem that I see with this, and it's kind of the same problem that I have with my Amazon Fire Stick, is that HDMI, which is how you plug this into your television, doesn't supply power. Right. So you have to run yet another cord to this little stick. Wouldn't it be nice Most, yeah. if it was Most. five years from now and every TV had something like, oh, I don't know, USB-C, which can do the yeah. signal and power at the same time? Well, most most TVs have US. Most modern flat screen TVs tend to have USB ports on as well, for putting in a stick, and then they can stream video off the stick. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, yes, it's annoying, but you would normally be able to get a cable to run not very far, a short cable to the edge of the TV and plug into a USB port. So it's, it's not quite as you don't necessarily have to have a separate USB charger plugged in somewhere. I think that this is a. Uh... A very clever idea. I do wonder how long until the Apple TV, a Chrome, well, Chromecast is already this size, but how long until we get an Apple TV that's just a little stick you plug into a TV? Well, my question actually is why is it why are these things not built into the TV rather than this being outside of it? I mean, I can imagine, you know, you just build this tech straight into the TV rather than Samsung building their own crappy. Uh, net browser or, or a streaming solution into the TV. It, basically, you hand the smarts of the TV over to Google, and you have um, a Chrome PC built in. Interesting. Right. Or no SPC. I mean, let's take a look at the new um, motherboard for the 12-inch um, MacBook. Yeah, tiny. Thing is, the thing is tiny. So if they did a deal with a television company like Samsung, for example, you know, do an exclusive deal, you know, now with built-in Apple computer. You could literally uh, build in an Apple TV slash Apple computer right into a TV uh, doing a license deal and uh, up the price. And um, I think that's how Apple could um, shake up the uh, TV industry. In, the, in a way. It could, but Apple's not into licensing anything like that. That's just they I like for, they like from start to finish. If, if you're yeah. going to see that, you're going to see an actual television that's made by Apple. That's the Apple TV. And I don't I know, know if Apple wants to get into that business or not. Yeah, but and Google, Google might might also be a little bit gun shy because they tried they tried <laughs> integrating into the TVs and it didn't work. Um, so so they may be be looking to go. But the, the thing is, if it becomes popular at that point, then that conversation opens up again. If they sell sell these things like gangbusters, um, 
then I would imagine that that that, that might might come on the table again. It's certainly an interesting device. I, I've seen that Intel has a has a, a kind of a Windows version as well. Um, it's a bit more expensive, which is disappointing. I don't understand why. Um, if you can get a Windows tablet for under a hundred dollars, which you can do, why the the PC on a chip would be more expensive than that when it doesn't have a screen or a battery or uh, all of those things that that you know obviously are the biggest cost parts of a, of a tablet. I really don't understand that at all. But it might be some kind of a licensing thing with Microsoft. Whereas if it's not built into an actual device like a tablet, the licensing agreement's a lot more money. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think this is a product that I'm definitely going to seriously look at when it comes out this summer. Um, I have reached out to the people at uh, Asus and and talked about to them directly about possibly getting this as well as their little flip book type of laptop thing that they got coming out, a little Chromebook. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we'll see. But I might just end up buying one of these myself anyways because it's... I, I can't figure out where this is going to fit into my life, to be honest, though. But yeah. I, but I, I still want it. I don't, it's, it's yeah. one of those, I, I want it, but I don't know how, what I would use it for. I mean, I've got, you know, three iPads, I've got a couple laptops, I've got a 27-inch iMac, I've got Apple TVs on just about every TV I have. And I, where does this fit in? I don't know. I, I, I guess that, that potentially is one of the challenges of this solution is that actually will when you think about the actual cool factor of it, you know, it kind of, you know, it has everything going for it from a gadget fan's point of view. You know, it's miniaturized. It's not expensive. It's very functional. You can probably hack it around a little bit. Um, it kind of has a lot of kind of tech tech um, kind of um, attractiveness about it. But in terms of mass market, who would buy one outside of that crowd? Uh, it's, it's a bit of a tougher sell because it's not for newbies because... No generally going behind a TV and plugging things in is something that people who aren't technical don't feel comfortable doing. Um, and also it's going to need some setup because you're going to need to get your uh, keyboard and mouse talking to it um, as well, which is, a, is is not a simple thing to do. But those are all things uh, at the beginning that you and I could do and then the kids have a functional computer that's on the yeah. television that you can monitor very easily because it's but, a 42-inch uh, yeah, TV that's in the other room. But we're, we're, not, we're not a mass market crowd. Yeah, so if true. you want to sell, if you want to sell this down the high street or um, in the, you know, in Walmart or something like that, where people can pick it up as a casual buy, it's got to be easy enough to use that anybody who's not technical can can figure out how to get it working. And I don't think they will ever solve that problem. That's definitely not the Google way of thinking about that. That's very much more of a an Apple type thing, the plug and play um, solution. So I so I wonder really how quite how how mass market this might be. For that reason. Yeah. But even before you start thinking about, well, what the heck do I use it for? <laughs> well, sometimes, though, you come out with a product that it's a solution to something. You just don't know what. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. I mean, that's how new things develop. I just like this idea. I mean, yeah. it's such a tiny little thing. Maybe a car. Maybe that's, I yeah. don't know. The problem the problem is is if you want to browse the internet, it's much more convenient to do it on a tablet on your lap while you're watching TV rather than mm-hmm. taking over the entire TV. And that is um that is an issue that fundamentally the product has doesn't seem to be thinking about. So But I can see a use case where I mean most uh, computer monitors these days have HDMI. So you could uh for yeah. a small amount of money buy a computer monitor 
buy one of these sticks and buy a Bluetooth keyboard and you know you have a good college student uh, high school student computer uh, yeah. with limited functionality for but you could buy a Chromebook for you know 125 bucks well that's true that's true uh, David you sent this picture in that just <laughs> cracked me up uh, I know I know uh, Victor great. can't see this so it's from a, a Medal of Honor game. And go ahead and explain yeah. what this picture said. It's a dialogue box that actually came up during the game. Yeah, so this is um, this is on uh, Medal of Honor Ghost Protocol. I don't know what. It's one of the Medal of Honor games anyway. So uh, this is clearly on somebody's somebody's PC or something. And and it, so you have the background. Then there's a dialogue box come up that says "Log out failed." And then it says, as to explain, it's always nice when you get an error message to go and get some explanation, a little bit of understanding of the developer's mindset when they created this dialogue. So it says, you need to be logged in to log out. Please log in in order to log out and then click OK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just and too I, funny. I do wonder if... Um, log out failed. You need to be logged in to log out. Please log in to log out. <laughs> Yeah. I, 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 I I'm looking at that now. That's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> well, I just wonder whether somebody was just having a, uh, you know, it was the end of the week and they were tired <laughs> and somebody said, oh, what, what are we going to do if we can't log the computer? And he said, oh, I'll just write a dialogue and then realize that it probably wasn't a great idea. <laughs> this definitely goes under the Twitter account. You had one job. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. absolutely. <laughs> That's too funny. And I will put a link to this in the show notes. So, you don't have to do a Google search. Just go to uh, show notes for TechFan204 and uh, follow it over, and you'll see it that way. <laughs> Too funny. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, and again, this is going to be an extra long episode because I do have this conversation with Donnie. Um, unless maybe you were talking about doing a solo show because I am going to be at NAB next week, David. Uh, and I, that's going to carry me through this coming week, and I don't get back home until late fr uh, late Thursday I might yeah. be able to do the show after that but I don't know it's I'm going to be at NAB for a week I'm going to be just Victor you've been to yeah. enough trade shows you know what I'm talking about I'm just going to be spent oh you'll be slammed yeah and uh, so I don't know maybe we should save this this interview I can send it over to you with Donnie and you can do a solo show next week Let's let's do that because yeah I I will have ordinarily I would try and hook up with Owen next week but my situation is that we're moving house um, next Thursday we're today's Friday Good Friday we're moving next Thursday which means we're we've got the Packers in Tuesday and Wednesday when I move on Thursday to my new property I won't have any internet so I can't do any Skype with anybody from Thursday and um, typical comms provider is going to take a couple of weeks for the internet to come in so. Um, I'm not going to have any internet from next week and earlier on in the week the house is going to be really turned upside down as we pack it all up so that's not really a great podcasting environment I'm also going to um, the Gadget Show Live oh, really? which is a, a big show in Birmingham on uh, next Friday I'm taking my son along to that just after we've moved um, and uh, yeah that's that's basically the Gadget Show is a, is a, a TV show over here that, that's on half the year every every week um, and it's now a program where they kind of, you know, it's, if, if you imagine Top Gear for gadgets, it's a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, except and they, for one they, of their hosts isn't punching out people and getting fired, right? Uh, <laughs> well, they've had a, they've had a few people fired over the years, but not for that. Um, <laughs> and they, and they're not quite as uh, they don't really go out of the way to be as controversial as Mr. Clarkson ever did. I, I'm so. I, I loved I love Top Gear. I'm so depressed that he's I, not going to be on it. There anymore. was uh, when when that incident happened, and he reported himself for that. By the way, that was not 
um, some, somebody else. He basically admitted to what happened the week after it happened and, and said, look, you know, I appreciate this is a problem. We need to talk, talk about this. But when, when the news broke, within about three days, there was an online petition of over a million people yep. who were saying that he should be reinstated who did not want the show to end. And um, obviously, it, it you know, we, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with Top Gear. Um, they were halfway through a run, so there's still a couple of, um, a couple of uh, episodes that haven't been transmitted. But unfortunately for Mr. Clarkson, he had, um, he'd been criticised too publicly by the media for too long for him to be able to weather something like this, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. So I don't think the BBC felt they had any choice. But to, his con- and he wasn't actually fired. His contract was up for renewal anyway, and they've just decided not to renew it. Um, but uh, I would not imagine that his, um, his co-presenters will want to work without him. So um, I don't think Top Gear in the form that we've seen it for the last 12, 14 years will come back. It will, may come back differently. It may be reformulated. It may just disappear. I don't know. Well, maybe um, you guys will get I, the American Top Gear. Uh, <laughs> let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I would imagine that somebody will employ um, those three presenters elsewhere and something kind of Top Gear-ish will appear somewhere else over the next six to 12 months. I can't imagine it will just disappear completely. Um, but um, we'll, I smell we'll a see Kickstarter. Netflix. Netflix would be good. Netflix was my first thought. What I, yeah. I really don't want them to do is go to Sky because I don't have Sky. So. <laughs> yeah, they took off uh, the banner with all three of them off of the Top Gear site. I noticed that. Uh, I think yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. basically, I mean, the, the BBC owns the intellectual property around Top Gear, even though that Clarkson and uh, a guy he worked with called Andy Wilman, uh, basically they own the kind of the concept and their production company was making Top Gear for the BBC, um, funded by the BBC, obviously. Um, the BBC owns Top Gear itself. They own copyright and things like the Stig and stuff like that. So um, Top Gear as a brand will have to go on without those three presenters if um if they want to continue it on but the basic but concept of the show could still nothing, continue yeah there's nothing to them to stop them i mean if top gear was effectively a car talk show wasn't it kind of a comedy car talk show um and there's nothing to stop them doing that with a different name somewhere else at all so, so. let's get off uh, british television even though yeah. i am a huge fan i'm very but i, I yeah, just to go back to, to how that came up though i'm going to this gadget show so i figured that maybe what i do next weekend is just do a solo show talking about that i also will be it's the it's about 150 miles from me and it's the first time i'm taking that trip in the electric car which is going to be a bit of a top gear type thing in itself will they make it the car won't go that far on a single charge. It certainly won't go there and back on a single charge. So um, I'm, I'll am i be, I'll do a show where I talk about that and I talk about what we saw at the show and I can put Donnie's segment in the end, as long as Donnie doesn't mind. Oh, well, he's not here to complain, so <laughs> what's he going to do? <laughs> so let's uh, wrap this show up with a, a brief story of something that happened to me two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, tragedy. Tragedy. So <laughs> a couple weeks ago, as part of my job at OWC, which, by the way, I hope you guys are listening to OWC Radio. Um, I think, did you just sign off, Victor? I did. Okay. I was wondering because you're not there anymore. I can't see your beautiful face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Periscope for those wondering. Um, I had to go to uh, what was called the McCullough Conference. It's the Michigan Education Something Learning, I don't know, Educators in Michigan. 
And I made a push at OWC that I think that this would be a good show for us to go to. And we did. And I had been to this show before as part of Mac Specialist years ago. So I knew what the crowds were like. I knew that it would be good for OWC to be there. Um, and I had the benefit of it being in Detroit. It's only about a, it's less than two hour drive for me. So I'm actually going to do a show where I don't have to deal with the airports and hotels and anything like that. It just great. Although I did have to deal with the hotel. <laughs> it's only two hours away, but I don't want to have to drive that three days in a row, you know? Yeah. So, uh, one of the problems with the iPhone six plus is that it's big and I don't want to say it's a problem, but it can be in my situation, the holder on my dash for my iPhone, which I use all the time is, I don't know, maybe three, four years old. And it really wasn't designed for such a big phone. I have to open it up all the way just to get the phone in there. And it has this little clicking mechanism that locks the phone in. I could, I could only lock it like one little click and then the iPhone six was secure. That's fine. Except if I have a case on the iPhone, well, I took to using, um, a newer tech case since that's the company I work for, uh, OWC, probably a good idea to use those products, right? And it's a yep. great case, but I can't have it in that case and have it on my dashboard. So I take the phone out of the case, put it in the little cradle up on my dash. Everything works great, except I get to the hotel. It's valet parking only. And this valet was kind of in a hurry, trying to rush me out of the car a little bit. And so I took my phone off the cradle. I didn't put it back in the case. I put it in my breast pocket, which is a side pocket on my jacket. And when I stepped out of the car, it slid right out of that pocket and right onto the cobblestone. Smashed the screen completely. This is the first iPhone, Victor, that I've actually broken like this. It's never happened to me. Have you ever broken a, an iPhone screen like that? Knock on wood, no. No, lucky. This is the first one that ever happened to me. And of course, I'm, oh my God, I got to do a show tomorrow and, you know, I'm far from home and blah, blah, blah. But the nice thing. I have Apple Care Plus. This is accidental damage, clearly. Uh, it's going to cost me 80 bucks, and I can get a new iPhone 6 Plus. But I'm kind of in a hurry because I've got a show the next day. So I go to the nearest Apple store, which is about 25 miles away from downtown Detroit. There is no Apple store in downtown Detroit. That's crazy for a start. Well, not if you've ever been to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of understand it. Uh, so I get to this Apple store. The first person I talk to, I say, uh, yeah, I I, I got to get a new phone. And she's like, oh, yeah, we can help you with that. Well, she thought I was going to buy one. Right. So we stay in there for about five minutes. Someone comes up and I say, no, I'm not buying one. I pull out my iPhone 6 Plus. I said, I have Apple Care Plus. This just happened. I have a show tomorrow um, and I'm from out of town. I, I need to get this replaced. And this lady was so dismissed. Oh, we can't help you. Excuse me? We're, you have to make an appointment and come in at the allotted time. We're just too busy. We can't help you. Come back tomorrow. Make an appointment for tomorrow. I said, I, there's miscommunication here. I'm from out of town, number one. Number two, I don't have time to come tomorrow. I'm doing a show. 
I'm here for you know, a very brief amount of time. I'm going to be on a showroom floor highlighting pro technology products, including your phone. I can't do that with a broken phone. I need I need to get this replaced. I have was, Apple Care Plus. Was was this just one of the sales ladies, or was this near the near the Genius Bar? One of the salespeople. Oh uh, well, okay. All right, I'll let you finish the story. Said, she says, doesn't surprise me she right. was like that. She says, I, we can't do anything about this. Sorry. You're going to have to make an appointment. Completely dismissive. Now, I was with somebody. I was with a guy named Rich from OWC. He was doing the show with me. So I walk out of the Apple store very upset, obviously. And I've never had this kind of a treatment in an Apple store before. They're usually super helpful, uh, very responsive. We'll kick things up to a manager if, if they feel like that they can't help, but you still need help. She just dismissed me, and that was it. Rich went back into the store, found the store manager, explained the situation to him, and yeah. then they took care of me. Yeah. Now, the the flip side of this is, uh, I look, I worked at uh, an Apple specialist. As the guy was pulling out the new phone and I saw the software he was using, I said, is that linked into GSX? And he goes, oh, you, you know what you're doing. Because yeah. most Apple users have no idea what I just said. But yeah. if you're an insider, you know exactly what I just said. And uh, so we were discussing GSX and some of the changes that happened about a year ago. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he just basically left me alone and let me do all the stuff that needed to be done that a genius would usually do for the customer. He knew he didn't have to. I don't need hand-holding. I just need yeah. a new iPhone 6 Plus and do the GSX stuff and we're good to go. And that's exactly what happened. But when I walked out, I was uh, happy at that point. I get in the car, we drive, we're driving back to the hotel, and I look over at Rich and I said, did they actually charge me anything? I don't remember pulling out my credit card. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, ah, yeah, I don't think they did. And sure enough, they never charged me the 70 bucks for the new iPhone 6 Plus. Yeah, I've, I've had that happen wow. to me before as well. So, I mean, it, it does have a happy yeah. ending on, on two fronts. I got the new phone, and I didn't pay the 60 or the 80 bucks, But it does count still because it's logged into GSX. It is logged yeah. in that, yes, I've done this once, so I've only got one more accidental damage to do in the next year and a half, and then I'm screwed. But still, I, for them to completely dismiss me like that, I know where you're going with what you're you're biting your tongue about, David. I should have gone up to a genius, and I should have gone no, to the no, support I'm, people. No, I'm not saying you should have done that. I think she, what she did was completely, utterly inappropriate and not very helpful at all. But, um, you know, clearly as a salesperson, she's there to make sales. And, you know, she gave you the standard line, which is, well, you know, you need to make an appointment. However, what she should have done is said, and what I would have done in that situation is, is said, well, normally you would need to make an appointment. Right, exactly. But go over and speak to that guy there with the iPad because he's in charge of the Genius Bar appointment system and he'll see if maybe we can help you out. And there's a right? difference between if you live in the area and yes, you probably should make an appointment because it's a busy store and, oh, this, per and I clearly said this, this person is from out of town and only here for yeah. a very short amount of time. That's what, a special circumstance. What time of day was that? Seven o'clock at night. Seven o'clock. Well, and they were yeah, open okay. till so, nine. Yeah, I know. But I, what I was going to say is, normally what they would do in the morning is they would, they would, she would, they would normally have said, okay, well, let's see, if we can make you an appointment now for later in the day. Would that help? At least it starts the conversation. Right. But, but she, uh, but, you she know, closed yeah, the she, conversation before we could even get there. Yeah, but you know what? Unfortunately, um, the turnover in Apple Store, Apple Store stuff is quite high, and there's a lot of people who come from other retail experiences, and they are just used to 
saying, well, company policy is company policy uh, and get out my face because I've got more sales to, to make. Yep. Um, and it's unfortunate you hit one of those people because the people who've been there a bit longer would, would have the smarts to, to, to say, you know, well, actually, we do better than that. Well, you know we what's funny is Rich told me one of the things that he asked the manager, he said, if, if I wanted to buy an iPhone right now, could I? And he said, sure. And he says, but somebody that already bought one and actually paid extra money for the extended service, Apple Care Plus, they can't get the help. Well, it's different people that do that. We we have more people working the sales floor than the. He goes, I understand that, but he we he spent extra for this insurance. Yeah. For exactly this reason, and you're basically you're saying you can't help him. What do you think, Victor? No, I, I agree. You ran into somebody who just was not willing to go the extra mile, and. Uh, it makes total sense that in your situation, given you know your specifics, I understand how they you know should have gone out of the way, and I'm glad they finally did. I can understand that if it was your hometown and and all of, you know I could see some of that, but you had a very unique situation. They should have recognized the fact that you were uh, basically you know selling products that feature their phone, and uh, that should have been it. So I'm, I'm glad it got taken care of. Have you ever had that kind of an experience at Apple Store before? I haven't, although I have seen the overall quality, I think, of the Apple Store experience uh, be degraded from what it used to be. And that's just because of uh, the sheer volume that they're dealing with. Uh, I think the employees that they're hiring now uh, are not getting, are not the same grade of what they had even five years ago, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that, especially when the Apple Store first launched and probably for the first five years of existence, there was this core group of people who wanted to work in an Apple store. Oh my God, this is an Apple store. I can, I can be around Apple products all day long and Mac users all day long. And, and then as these products kind of hit the mess and everyone started buying them, I think mm -hmm. it lost some of that prestige that this is an Apple store. That, that yeah. it, 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 It's less special, I think, at this point than it was before. Is that fair? It's yeah, some of their items are now commoditized. I mean, let's face it, you know. Um, now, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes with Apple Watch because if you've read some of the things that have been out there, they are clearly training some of their longer-term employees to be the ones that are dealing with the Apple Watch and certainly with the addition. Uh, that, that has been my understanding from what I've read. So they definitely need to make that experience um, very unique and very jewelry store-like which will be, um, they're not going to just leave that to, you know, the newer ranks. They're going to definitely step up their game when it comes to selling that product, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think there is a there is an issue with the Apple stores in the in that the volumes of people they get now and you know, let's let's be honest, anybody can walk in through the door and some people have extremely high expectations and um, no matter how how well you uh, respond to those expectations. Some people always come away disappointed. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, in terms of your situation, I, I think we all recognize uh, that in retail, as in other parts of life, if pe some, some, there are some people who, if they want something done and they want something done quickly, are quite happy to concoct some sort of story to try and justify special treatment. So, I, you know, I, in, in some respects, I can sympathize with the lady in that, you know, you gave her a, a story and, and she did, she didn't take it seriously because maybe she's heard hundred of them that day. I don't know. But the problem is, is that, you know, you hope that Apple 
always tries to leave the customer delighted and uh she kind of didn't even try to do that and that's the unfortunate thing really and i hope that you know that's is that doesn't become the standard in in apple stores going forward well i could tell you i was a lot less upset about the whole thing when i realized i wasn't charged 80 bucks <laughs> yeah and, and you know i i had a i had a phone replaced um three or four years ago i think um where exactly the same thing happened to me uh effectively the you were at I a hotel had, in detroit no no i had a, <laughs> I, I, had, I had a phone with a um uh what, what's wrong with it now i'm trying to remember i think it i think it was pretty badly scratched Something had rubbed up against something like this, but it was quite a new phone, uh, iPhone, and I—I uh, I think it was the iPhone four. Uh, and I went into the store and I said, you know, look, is there anything? You know? I was kind of hoping that that you know, at the goodness of hearts, they might possibly be able to change it for me. Uh, and they said, oh, sorry, we we don't have any. A, we don't have any of those that particular model in, and we would have to charge you for it. And uh, the the charge, even though I didn't have Apple Care Plus because it didn't exist at the time, the um, the charge was not unreasonable so i said okay well i'll pay the charge and i'll get it get it sorted um and actually i had to come back because as i said they didn't have that phone in stock and when i came back they we we spent about 20 minutes setting it all up and everything and we, i was talking about the fact that i that i podcast and i talked about apple and this sort of thing we were having a very nice conversation and it was exactly the same thing i walked out uh got, had my new phone all set up and i sat down in the car and i all of a sudden i looked at it, i thought I never paid for this. They were supposed to be charging me for it, um, and and you know it was it was a case of well I'm already halfway home and it was like well, what what do I do now, and uh, so there you are yeah it it happens. If we were honorable men, David, we would have turned back around and paid. Well, you know, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing. Then you do, you are kind of on the horns of a dilemma because you you know that that probably is the right thing to do, but if you're already halfway across town. It's like, well, that means going all the way back and, you know, probably finding somebody who doesn't know anything I want, anything about me. And then they might turn around and say, oh, it's fine now. You've left. So, yeah, I, I know somebody somebody asked me, they go, well, maybe they'll just charge your iTunes account because those are, you know, connected to your credit card now. But they can't legally do that, at least in the United States. No. So all ends well that ends well. Is that how that goes? No. How does that saying go? I'm drawing the blank. All and all's well that ends. Well. Yeah, thank you. Wow, I was just completely drawing a blank on that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, as as that guy on Meerkat said, you look pretty old. So yeah, I, you I do look it. pretty old. And that was one of the nicer comments. Uh, no, actually, that was on Periscope, not Meerkat. Victor, okay. where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, and that's at Victor Cahiao. Let me spell that for you: V I C T O R C A J I A O. And then come listen to the show at Articulate. Dot info, And, of course, we'll have uh, both of those links in the show notes for episode number 204. Please go to techfanpodcast.com for all of our back catalog of episodes. You can leave comments right there on the show page uh, for whatever episode that you're uh, listening to. You could also send us direct audio feedback using your iPhone uh, record it in the voice memo and send it to the show at techfanpodcast.com. We are on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash techfanpodcast. And of course, on Twitter, we are techfanpodcast. David, thanks for very much for being here this week. And Victor, thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure, see. We'll be back in a week with a solo show from David. And in two weeks, uh, I should be back. Of course, you guys are going to hear me next week. I'll send David the uh, Donnie Yankalo interview. And again, once 
Uh, once again, Donnie, I know you're listening. Thanks very much for the artwork for uh, Tech Fan Podcast. Uh, we love it, and we can't wait to show the other versions of the artwork to the listeners. And we'll see you in one week. <laughs>